Welcome to the Protectors Podcast. I have Candid West with me here today. We're going to talk very basic about cybersecurity. And we're really going to, we're going to dumb this down. And I'm not going to say anybody out there doesn't know this stuff, but I really want everybody to kind of get a great grasp of what's going on in the cyber world today. So Candid, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Jason, thanks for having me. So what's your background? What's your 30,000 foot overview of who you are? Well, I studied computer science as a classical master at ETH in Zurich. Then started with IBM Research, going after all the different threats out there in the internet. And then I spent 17 years building up the global security response lab for Symantec. So analyzing malware down to the bits and bytes and making sure that you can protect people about it. And since three years, I'm vice president of Acronis Research with Acronis, making sure that we're getting actually the best cyber protection. So combining everything with a holistic view to make sure that you can go to the internet without the worry. Now, one thing I loved about your background was the Commodore 64, the, the grandfather. I mean, going from the Commodore 64 to now looking at my cell phone where I could basically see anything in the world at any time, you know, that must be an incredible experience to like be tracking through the whole cyber landscape for this many decades. Absolutely. I mean, yes, I'm dating myself, but uh, Commodore 64 was my childhood. Um, even before that, kind of the HP calculators with the max stripes, having a lunar lander game. I mean, that brings up memories. But now with today's smartphones, I mean, that's more power than they used to land on the moon the first time, right? So keeping that in mind, I think people always say we only use 10% of our brains. We probably only use 1% of our smartphones and other things, right? So there's a lot more that we can do. Unfortunately, the bad guys are using it as well. Well, that brings up a great point, too, is the more power we have in our hands, the more power everybody has in our hands. So that means more vulnerability for the for the audience out there, for regular, normal, everyday people are vulnerable just by using their cell phones and their PCs. And, you know, we're going to get into it later on, but in their companies and their small businesses and their their big businesses. But how do we what is the biggest threat in the cyber world right now? I think the biggest threat is losing your data. And that means that you will no longer have access to it, but maybe someone else has and can misuse it, can extort you for it. So that would be the classical ransomware attack where they make you pay if you want your data back or they just give it to your competition. Or if it's private data, they might give it to all your friends and there might be some pictures that you don't want your friends to see, right? So I think it's having the privacy over your data, knowing that it's available when you need it, but only to you. That's one of the biggest threats. And you mentioned it, we have so more dependency, right? Everything is now digital. No matter if you buy some furniture, take a flight, or even grocery shops, there's a lot of digital things behind the scenes, and most people are not really aware of it. But if it doesn't work, we're all affected. And you think we have open mics we're, we're carrying around all the time. The other thing about data, too, is how secure is the cloud? So, yes, I have data on my phone. And, but I don't upload all my photos to the cloud because, eh, you know, I, I, I got to know how secure is the cloud and is that the best means to back up our data? Or do you think we should all have like another physical security product? The cloud can be as secure as you want it to be. Um, and I know it's kind of a wishy-washy answer, but it's all about what you do in the configuration. So for example, Acronis, 
we can have the backups that you do encrypted with a password that only you know, not even we in the company know it. So the data is in the cloud, it's encrypted, and only you can decrypt it. But on the other hand, I run a small honeypot of some Amazon SW3 uh, data pockets. So those are basically large file shares in the cloud. Um, I have a hundred of those, named them suspiciously like client data backup or customer data 101. And every given day, I get six people accessing my data there and trying to download it because I deliberately misconfigured it. So if it's happening to me, it will happen to some business as well, because we all know people just set it up with next, 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 next. And that's usually working, but not in the most secure way. Now you have the clouds and a lot of it is two-factor authentication now. And I use authenticator apps and I use text messaging, but if someone's going to clone your phone, then they're going to be able to get your, your, you know, how easy, what I want to say is how easy is it to clone someone's phone? So when you do get that two-factor authentication where it's just a, a text with a, a five-digit or six-digit number, is that kind of hard or is that easy? I mean, let me start off with saying two-factor authentication is definitely good and you should use it wherever possible, right? It's a lot better than just using one, two, three, four, five as a password, which you probably use for all your social media and other things as well. So it might have already been leaked uh, 20 times. So it is increasing the security, but it's not the silver bullet. As you said, people can clone phones. Usually what they do, they just clone the SIM card. And well, then now we have two of the same, so you can still receive those text messages there. Or of course, they just use social engineering, as we've seen with the attack against Uber, where they use multi-factor authentication. The attacker tried to get in and started to use those 2FAs, sending a hundred, actually more than a hundred of those requests. The user reacted well and said, hey, I'm not trying to log in, so I'm not clicking on approve. But then they followed up with some social engineering through a WhatsApp message saying, hey, this is your lovely trusted IT department. We have an issue. Please click once on approve and it will stop. And guess what? It did stop, but it wasn't the IT department. It was the bad guys getting in. You brought up the next point I really want to talk about. And one thing I, I love talking about is social engineering, because the lowest common denominator is the user. So let's talk small business. And I, I just did an article a little while ago about this, about the small business can have the best IT protection, best cyber protection in the world. They can have like the biggest guru in the world, and they're throwing thousands of dollars at them. But if Joe Schnuffy over here is opening up uh, suspicious emails that look legit, then you know how do we prevent it from social engineering? Is it more training or is there something guiding principle that we could do to prevent social engineering from happening? And before we do that, what is social engineering? Yeah, social engineering is the act of kind of misleading people with just a good fake backup story. So that means the classical one would be in phishing emails where it is, hey, this is your bank, your account has been frozen, you have 24 hours to react, otherwise all your money will be gone and sent to some trust fund or something. So creating an urgency, pretending to be some other brand, and then people, of course, follow for it, put in their password, but it's not the real website, so they lose access. And we've seen that happening, of course, with package delivery from FedEx, DHL, your favorite uh, company. We've seen it with uh, Microsoft 365 pretending to be the official one, but of course, people lose uh, access to it and all your favorite social media accounts as well. So as always, never trust everything you see written somewhere uh, in the internet, right? Because emails are just like postcards. Everyone can sign, hey, I'm president so-and-so, here is my message, just do as I tell you. And of course, you should have some uh, kind of skepticism and be some vigilant if you read those. 
And you know, one open source information, you brought up social media. Another way people can always look for resumes and stuff is head over to LinkedIn and look for the open to work. Now, somewhere those people are going to have their resume posted on a job site, whether it's Indeed or or Daybook or anything else like that. So you always have to be very cognizant of what you're putting out there. But also, hey, you know what? You're going to look for a job. You're going to look for this. You're going to be on social media. You're not going to stop your life. But be cognizant that your information is out there. So when people come in with, you know, at Google.com might be at G-O-O-G-L-L-E.com and you might open it up and be like, oh, and then boom, you're done. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you bring up a very good point. It has to be a balance, right? If you want to get people to apply for your job, you cannot say, oh, never open an email from an untrusted or unknown person, right? Because people will apply for it that you never have seen before. That's kind of the nature of the game. So there has to be a balance, but you have to be aware that exactly some emails might come from a lookalike domain that has some misspelled uh, characters in it. And of course, Sometimes, yes, it might even be a hijacked account. So someone might have one, two, three, four, five as a password. They got breached. And now someone is sending out their CV to you. And because you already communicated with them, it's a lot more trustworthy. But that still means you might get compromised if you don't have all the other layers that might help. Now, what do you think is the biggest cyber threat? I mean, we're not talking major companies here. We're talking like, I'm, you know, I'm just a regular guy, regular girl. How do, what, what should I be concerned about? I mean, I think it's a combination, right? So usually it starts with the classical phishing. So I think weak authentication as a general thing is still uh, one of the first attack point. Could be a phishing email, as I said, that lures you to a fake website, trying to get your credit card numbers or passwords. Uh, it could be that you used a weak password on a different site that has been breached, um, or that you're not using a password at all and just leave it at the default password which is not a good idea either. But that usually then leads to the classical threats. So that could be ransomware, which I say it's quantitative-wise not the biggest threat. Um, we blocked, quote-unquote, only 91,000 ransomware attacks this year so far. But those are the ones which came through all the other things. So email was not blocked, and it already started encrypting things. And if it succeeded, it would actually bring you, you as a person probably into big trouble if you're a company, you might even be out of business. I don't like the question of what keeps you up at night. You know, what that 3 a.m. I really want to know what makes you excited to wake up in the morning. I would have said the answer would be coffee. Yeah, but, well, that too. I mean, uh, we do not live without coffee. I think for me, I'm so excited um, as it's an always changing new field. I mean, I've been in cybersecurity for over 25 years and it's changing, right? We get Maybe in soon the metaverse, we have IoT, we have blockchain technology. There's so many new things coming which didn't exist, at least not in that way, uh, 30 years ago. So I'm always excited to see how can we build something which is efficient, integrated, and simple to use. Because most of the people, I mean, looking at my parents, I don't want them to have a master degree in computer. Well, I probably would love to have it, but I don't need them to require a computer science degree just to operate a browser and go to some websites, right? And it shouldn't be like this. So it should be simple, but still secure so that you can freely go and use the internet whenever you want, but ensure that all your data is private as long as you want to. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the show and kind of showing us, you know, kind of a little snapshot of what we need to look for. Ransomware, social engineering, 
and let's get some something for our parents to easily browse the web because I believe me, I understand. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Jason.